Your brand, yes, at its core is the everyday experience that someone has with your company. So that is everything. <laughs> that is everything from when they first see your website to whether they saw something on social media or they watched a video or um, they read a blog post or whatever it is. And all those things are content plus design. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the B2BMX Podcast. I've got a really interesting topic on deck for today's episode. It's a session replay from our B2BMX online experience that we held in February, and it's starring a panel of powerful females in the industry. The session was called Brand's New Role in B2B Marketing, and it featured Ali Agostino-Butani of Conductor, Kara Hogan of Tomorrow.io, and a very familiar voice, our very own Alicia Esposito, the former B2BMX podcast host. Shout out to Alicia. Yeah, so the topic of brand, I personally love it. I think it's fascinating, and it's honestly really coming into the spotlight as a key investment in this year. So now's really the time for leaders to level set and determine what brand really means in B2B. So this esteemed panel of brand leaders will answer questions such as, what does a head of brand really do? What does brand encompass and who and what plays a role in implementing it? And what role will it play in 2020 and beyond? So let's take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our panel discussion on brand's new role in B2B marketing. I'm really excited because I have two practitioners who I don't just admire professionally, but I admire personally as well. Um, Instead of me reading off bios and introducing uh, everyone on the line, I figured we'd do a quick round robin, introduce ourselves and a little bit about our typical days since we're all in some way connected to brand. Um, I'm Alicia Esposito. I'm the Director of Content and New Media for G3 Communications, which is the parent company of Demand Gen Report. And um, I'd like to consider myself the connecting point between visual brand and content and how those two worlds come together across all channels. Um, Ali, how about you go next? Sure. Um, I'm Ali Butani. I'm the Director of Brand at Conductor, an organic marketing platform for enterprise. Um, I have been in design and brand for almost my entire career in B2B. Um, And I I think brand is the glue that kind of uh, creates a cohesive marketing experience across um, all of your customers and prospects. Great. Kara? Hi, everyone. I'm Kara Hogan. I'm the Director of Brand and Content at Climacell, which is the weather intelligence platform uh, based in Boston. And I have also spent my entire career in uh, B2B SaaS content worlds, um, but more so on the written side than the design side, which I think is kind of the interesting difference between Ali and I. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to chat. Yeah, and and let's dig into that because honestly... um... That was part of the reason why I wanted to match you both up because you were in these brand director roles, but came from two very different 
sides of, I guess, in a way of the same coin, um, because I've been hearing a lot of conflicting perspectives, definitions of what brand is, what it entails, and I think we'll get to that. But I want to ask you both, and maybe Kara, we'll start with you. Um, you know, because you came from content first, like I did, uh, what was that process like implementing or or applying more design work into your role? What did it take for you to kind of get a bit more immersed in design principles and best practices? Yeah, it definitely was an adjustment for me. Um, and I do think that I always still think content first, um, and that's just kind of how I operate. Um, but part of that for me coming into this role is um, at Climacell, we have a monthly brand discussion where I sync up with our design team, our CEO, our CMO, and we really talk about the direction of the brand, um, talking about you know who we're going after and how our brand from both both a visual and content perspective serves that audience. Um, and so we think about this as kind of like a checkup, um, like, okay, are we on the right path? Um, and it was so funny to me to realize that most of what we're talking about was design oriented. Like most of it was, how does the website look? Um, do we feel like this is accurately reflecting our brand vision and, um, you know, that written side of things. But, um, it was definitely an adjustment to me to realize how much I had to learn in terms of how the visual branding could impact um, the perception of the brand overall. Yeah. And for you, Allie, you were a designer first and foremost, and a little bit of backstory. Allie and I worked together at, at G3 yeah. for quite a few years before she moved over to Conductor, and we would kind of tag team a lot of projects because we kind of met from both sides. Um, but I always considered you to be a bit more content considerate, I guess you can say, <laughs> compared to um, a lot of other designers that I have worked with in the past. But I, I assume with this role, you're a bit more immersed in the day-to-day -day content operations. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I'm very lucky and fortunate to have worked with like really great content marketers um, over the course of my career. I think that's why it made it such a easy transition for me to step into the role of brand and really take over our content strategy as well. Um, one of the benefits I think of working in design is that you never really work in a vacuum. You're touching so many different touch points, so many different stakeholders like on the marketing team, but across the greater organization. So it allows you to have this bird's eye perspective of every different initiative going on sort of at the same time. Um, and for me, the benefit of that is I was able to sort of like identify gaps. Oh, this team's working on this and this team's working on that. Why don't we kind of like fuse those things together or um, come up with ideas to like repurpose uh, previous content? So I always just tended to get in the habit of thinking about things from a higher level than just design. Um, and I think the, the benefit of having design and content work so closely together is that you really cannot create any kind of marketing material without both of those things. Everything has a visual aesthetic to it and everything has a voice and tone. Um, so the rest of the team really relies on you to kind of get your message and, and your, your approach across. Yeah. And as I was prepping for this conversation, I stumbled across this LinkedIn post from Dave Gearhart, um, and he basically said that brand 
isn't just a logo or website colors. Um, it's your reputation. And the best way, I want to make sure I get this right, the best way to build reputation in 2021 is content. So I want to ask you both because in both of your introductions and context in your day-to-day, you hit on both content and design. So do you think his statement is accurate? Do you think it's an oversimplification of what brand is? Like, is it a lot more than just like the content that you create or is it basically indicating that content basically encapsulates everything? Because when you're creating a piece of, you know, content, like an ebook or something, like design plays a role in that. I just feel like there are so many different ways to interpret that statement. Yeah, I feel like it is a deceptively simple statement. Like you think, oh, well, yeah, of course, duh. But not a lot of people apply that to the way they operate their brand. That's the issue, I think, for so many people is that your brand, yes, at its core is the everyday experience that someone has with your company. So that is everything. (laughs) That is everything from when they first to your website, to whether they saw something on social media or they watched a video or um, they read a blog post or whatever it is. And all those things are content plus design. Um, And you want that experience to be consistent and to be a great representation of your company and can be everything even down to a Zoom background, for example, (laughs) um, on a call. If you make that consistent and um, make it consistently a great experience, then you have a great handle on your brand. Um, so yeah, it's it's a simple sentence, but it takes a lot of work <laughs> to do those things. Yeah, and I the first thing I thought about probably because I work for an SEO platform company is that in 2020, um, the way that consumers consumed content, the way that they shopped, um, the way that we did everything completely changed. So in a sense, you are finding more people through content when people are at home and people are searching. Um, So I think that it's a unique perspective on brand for 2020 and 2021, where we are right now. You're not affecting people as much by paid advertising. People aren't driving. uh, People aren't in airports. So People are searching more for solutions and your content needs to be front and foremost um, to both meet your current audience, but to introduce yourselves as a brand to new audiences. So I think I can kind of tie that together there. Your content might be the front door to kind of get people through. um, And then from there, everything else needs to be layered on to create that comprehensive brand experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think, you know, looking at it through the SEO lens to your point, Allie, because Google, I mean, let's be real, Google's the top search engine. um, And and when they're assessing content, they're looking at the relevance, the accuracy and the credibility of, of that content. So I really like that you pointed to it being the entry point or the front door because largely that's how people are going to find you. And then all of these different elements play a role in reaffirming that trust or allowing people to say, okay, I think these people know what they're talking about. You know, I can tell that they're a legit company, even though I don't know them fully. Like, let me dig a little bit deeper. So it's interesting to see and hear how all of these different elements impact each other. And, you know, because, Ali, you mentioned you work with so many different stakeholders, I I do want to get a sense for what that looks like 
in your organization? What do, what role does brand play? How do you touch or influence all the different moving parts within your organization? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, so I would say like first and foremost, brand sits uh, within marketing at Conductor. So I work extremely closely with our VP of marketing to make sure that our brand or content strategy maps up to our overall marketing strategy. And then I also work really closely with our head of product marketing and our head of demand gen. Um, uh, a big sort of barrier that I think we broke through this year and uh, was in all working together to make sure that our individual strategies matched back up to our, our marketing strategy, but that we were also um, taking into consideration all the different initiatives that we had for our teams and our goals to make sure that we were supporting each other like adequately. Um, so we're in a really good spot kicking off 2021 there, but Outside of marketing, brand plays a much larger role in the overall organization. Um, and we work with leadership really closely to make sure that um, both our internal and external brand is consistent and reflected and kind of constantly evolving um, from things like our town hall decks and our weekly um, meetings uh, across the whole company that, that everyone's remote to like thought leadership experiences that a lot of our executives participate in. Um, we play a large role in both developing that content and making making sure a lot of our, you know, company themes uh, resonate and are consistent, but that we also have a consistent design and, and visual approach to um, to all of those other assets and touch points. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and Kara, I know you have a smaller team that, that you're yeah. working with, but how does brand touch or, or influence everything that's going on within your business, which make no mistake, it's a, it's a smaller team, but it is certainly growing. So would love to hear how that plays into like the scaling of the brand. Yes, it definitely is um, a huge part of everything that we're doing. Um, despite having a small team, we have a slightly complicated business because we have um, a consumer facing app. So we have a weather app that you can download on your phone and understand what's happening day to day and how it affects like whether or not you should go for a walk this afternoon. Um, but then we also have our SaaS enterprise platform and we also have an API that developers can use to pull in weather data into their apps. So each of those different parts of the business has such a different audience and really different needs from the marketing department that I constantly have to be making sure that our brand is consistent, but tailored to that audience, which is a huge challenge. So um, despite the small team, um, we're doing a ton in terms of um, understanding what's resonating. So for example, um, for our B2C app, we uh, have a TikTok channel. Um, and that's something that we have to understand how that medium works and what kind of content works on that platform, but still make it feel consistent and connect with our brand. And I don't know if I'm doing a great job at that yet because TikTok is very different and very new for, for a lot of us in B2B, but um, I think it's an interesting challenge for us. Um, and then at the same time, I'm on LinkedIn talking to, to like enterprise operations leaders. So those are very different people <laughs> that are right. using our platform. Um, but at the same time, I want like, our design to look amazing, our content to be great and useful, um, and really just that focus on having a brand that is informative but simple and clear. 
Those are kind of like our values that we try to focus on, um, that it makes it accessible for anyone to use. So um, despite the small team, it's, uh, it's always fun to think about how we're translating our message across different channels. Yeah. I think that's a really good point here that I want to click in a little bit into because from the conversations that I've been having, it seems like because there is such varying perspectives on like what brand is, what it entails, that there's a disconnect between people saying, oh, like we're going to prioritize brand. Like that's a top priority for us. But then to your point around messaging, like the fundamentals of marketing, which is like persona work and messaging is like all the way low on the totem pole because let's be real, it's a lot of work and a lot of people don't want to put the time in to, to do that. Um, and, you know, Ali, I want to bring it back to you because, you know, Kara was saying how, you know, there's a consumer facing side and then an enterprise facing side and there are, there are different messaging elements to tie through there. But you also have, even though you're you're targeting businesses, you have different personas that you're speaking to, right? So how do you kind of carry through the essence of the conductor brands, but make sure it's like hyper-focused to the role that you're speaking to and their unique needs? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. We have different personas. We have different industries that we speak about, uh, speak to. And then we also have different um, sort of like stages along their organic marketing journey. So you have people who maybe are just getting started and in investing in SEO and understanding really what organic marketing is and how to get found versus just kind of creating ad hoc content because that's what you think you should be doing. And then we have much more advanced companies who have like full in-house SEO teams. So there's, uh, we think about it sort of in that way because it levels the playing field also. Like you can have a variety of different companies within that, within these different um, uh, kind of stages of their organic marketing journey. Um, so I, I would definitely agree. I think before you even think about like, you know, how do we improve our brand, that foundation needs to happen. And that foundation needs to happen both on a marketing level standpoint, like you had mentioned, where you're identifying your your best customers, like who are the best customers that convert for us, who are the ones that have the most longevity, that are in our platform for the longest, um, how do we get more of those, um, identifying your personas, um, the industries that resonate to you. But then as a company, you also need to have that clear direction on like, what is it that we as a company are prioritizing what is the clear and consistent message that we want to communicate both internally um, in terms of like where we're going uh, as a brand? Um, and then to what do we want to communicate to our customers and prospects? Um, there's a lot of growth and evolution happening kind of across B2B period, especially over in the last year. A lot of pivots have had to, to happen. Um, company, yeah, I know, Carrie, you had, you had mentioned um, there's a lot of change back in March for a lot of companies. So, um, I think it's also important to recognize that brand is flexible. It's not this, um, you know, static, stoic element that you publish your branding guidelines and then you're done. Um, it's something that you need to revisit at least on a, a yearly basis and say, okay, have our goals changed? Have where we're going as a company changed? Um, has the narrative in the market changed? Like are people still, are the messages that we were sending last year still relevant this year? And now a word from our sponsor.
This pandemic is making everyone wait, but your business won't wait on three things, revenue, pipeline, and customer experience. You only have eight seconds to impress your site visitor. Drift's revenue acceleration platform connects you in real time with chat, video, voice, and email. So everyone gets what they want now. Join more than 50,000 customers that know Drift gives them the power to accelerate revenue, pipeline, and create a great customer experience. Try it for free at drift.com. So, so let's get into that because, you know, that, that's kind of the big elephant in the room, right? Like the underscore of this entire event is, okay, like for the past six months, we've pivoted, we've been agile, we've tested and learned, but like, how does that scale and how does that lead to a tangible go forward plan? And Kara, I think Climacell's story is fascinating because when you started with the company, you were trying to speak to very specific markets. And then when the pandemic hit, it kind of went in the opposite direction. So can you break that down and <laughs> and how you kind of took the essence of the brand and your, your tone and style, like your approach to content um, and how that was able to be a bit flexible or malleable to Ellie's point to, to kind of seize the moment there? Yeah, I've I've talked about this to a few people, but I actually started at Climacell on, I think it was March 16th or March 15th um, of 2020. So I started the first day that the company went fully remote, um, which was challenging. Um, and I was thrown into a situation that was obviously very difficult because the company's real core target market at the time was airlines and sports and outdoor events. So we had some, you know, amazing customers like JetBlue and Delta and the NFL. And at that time, all of that was shut down. Um, so we internally just thought, okay, what can we do? We know that we can sell into other markets. Like so many different businesses are impacted by the weather. So what's most important right now? Um, and we're like supply chain, obviously. The supply chain is really stretched thin right now. Um even just a small delay from a storm or something happening can have this ripple effect. So how can we better target that audience? Um, and in my first like, month or two at the company, we like completely rewrote the entire website, changed all of our content and assets, um, just like rapid fire shifted the industries uh, that we were going after. But luckily we did already have a very strong brand identity and we understood that really it was the same message and the same target. Like we were still going after a VP of operations at a large organization. Um, it was just different industry, but it still meant we had to rewrite everything um, and <laughs> totally kind of change things. Um, and luckily it really worked. We were able to successfully like, penetrate that market, um, get a lot of really great new customers, um, and actually raise a round of funding, um, in the middle of the summer when, you know, not everything was going great for many companies. So it was a challenge, but I think because, you know, I was coming in and the company already had a strong brand and I was just kind of like continuing it and adapting it to the situation that like, was going on at the time. Um, we were able to, to thrive surprisingly during all this. Yeah, I love that. And, and Ali, what, what about Conductor? Because 
obviously with us being in lockdown mode, a lot of events being canceled, looking at this through, through a B2B lens in particular, people just went online. People searched more. We saw this surge in search activity, which is obviously a lot of opportunity for conductor, but also for the broader SEO market. So did that require you as brand director to kind of determine, okay, how do we narrow our focus or capitalize on this opportunity? Like, what did that look like for you individually and for, for your team as well? Yeah, it was interesting. We sort of immediately shifted into creating COVID-specific content like a lot of companies did. We we kicked off sort of like a research report that really provided a lot of insights into like how marketing teams across a variety of industries were being affected. And the the most insightful feedback that we got was that budgets were being cut, paid spend was being cut, um, marketing teams were being expected to do more with less, which is what I think we're all very used that. to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and brands were investing more or putting more calories towards SEO because the you know the leads, the revenue that they were relying on from paid washed up essentially overnight for at least a short period of time. Um, so that's not to say that we weren't affected either as a marketing team. I mean, we had plenty of initiatives. We had events um, that we had planned. We had to pivot our big annual marketing event to be virtual. Um, we do a lot of direct mail that shut off instantly, and we had to figure out how can we get in front of people when they're not in offices. But um, a story that we were, a, a content theme or a story that we were sort of telling before any of this happened is the idea of um, laying the groundwork for SEO before you need it. Like this is, it's not a channel that you can switch on overnight. Um, you need to really put time and effort and calories into creating a foundation um, you know, developing that SEO strategy, and then it is there for you when it's needed. So we very much saw, you know, customers and industries that had put the work in um, sort of gain the benefits from being front and center when people were searching for things. And then other companies who maybe had dragged their feet or not kind of realized what uh, investment needed to be made there try to catch up. Um, and it is not something that you can kind of turn on overnight. Um, so it's a story that we kind of continue to tell, it's an easier story to tell now, now that um, people realize how much searches has become even more important over the last year. Um, and it's been interesting to see, you know, customers, even in affected industries, be able to survive based on the foundations that they've laid, um, you know, over the past year, five years, et cetera, um, in investing in search. Can confirm like we we doubled down on SEO as well. Like that was yeah. such a big part of my work over the past year, same thing. So yeah, it's, and it does pay off, I think. How do you know when it's time to stray from or break from the status quo or, or the standard brand guidelines? Or is it a matter of staying within the lines to a certain extent and just figuring out where or how to stretch the limits a little bit? I think from, I think about it much more in terms of sort of like uh, channels and content format. So okay. for example, like when, when, when 
the website is not an area where we like stray from brand. We want that to be really consistent. Uh, website email communications, like create a really consistent experience because you're getting in front of both customers who, who know your brand, but prospects who can kind of like easily be uh, confused or can um, abandon a page with like a bad user experience. But things like social, where having too much uh, too many constraints can really make your feed look exactly the same. That's an area where we'll try different things or throw in different ideas. Um, I would say a lot of times we test things out on like internal presentations as well. It's a good area if you're kind of, we're thinking about introducing a new pattern or a new color, um, kind of road testing it there before anybody externally sees it. Um, and then the other areas, I think really like long format content pieces, that's, a place where you should remain consistent with your brand, but it's fun to throw in a theme or an idea that kind of lives boxed into this one um, experience that people are engaging with. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on social. We do some interesting stuff on social, just try to try stuff out. Um, I would say specifically at Climacell, we use our consumer brand to try crazy stuff. Um, and then we keep the enterprise and API side of the business a lot more consistent, um, which I think matches up with those audiences. Um, so we'll try out all kinds of weird stuff <laughs> for the, for the app. Um, and then if it works really well, we might adapt like a modified version for the rest of the company, um, as well. But, you know, we are constantly testing out new creative for paid ads, and then I'll on I'll, I'll steal all of their creative if I think it's cool or I think that it's work or if they tell me it's working really well. We'll then say, okay, well we're going to incorporate that into organic social posts. We're going to, um, you know, take some of that content and maybe do a blog post around it. Like we can, I really like collaborating with that team specifically because they love experimenting and trying different stuff out. Um, and it just, yeah, it's it's a fun part of the business. And it, I think, kind of powers the creativity for the brand. No, some great points. And we do have to, sadly, I feel like we could talk for hours about this, um, wind things down. But as I was prepping for this, I kind of had this, you know, nagging question in my head because... I study both B2B and B2C marketing and content. Um, you know, when we talk about the essence of a great brand, we always tend to kind of go into the B2C world, right? Like we always have that that brand that we are so passionate about and we just gravitate to. We're like, oh, this brand just gets me. Like I am the brand, the brand is me. Um, and I can't help but like wonder, like how do we carry that love or create that love in our day-to-day -day work. Um, is that something that you both think about in, in your day-to-day? -day? I mean, Carrie, you're kind of looking at this from uh, an area of advantage because you are kind of in both worlds. But I mean, how does that impact the way you do your work or the way you approach the direction of the brand? Yeah, it's really interesting to me because this is really my first time in this role at all touching the B2C world. Like my past roles have all been in B2B. Um, and I recognize that, yeah, I think that in the world of B2B, brand is not as well understood or well respected as it is in B2C. Um, in B2C, I feel like brand marketers are like at the top, like everyone, mm -hmm. you know, loves what they're doing. You know, they're 
you know, the team over at Converse, like putting a music studio in their office and like featuring artists, like that kind of exciting, cool stuff. Um, and I feel like B2B brands haven't fully um, come to terms with the fact that we can also create cool brands. Like right. we don't have to be boring. We don't have to be like, blah, just because we're in B2B. Um, you can also have some fun with it. And um I mean, why not? Like we're in marketing for a reason. It's creative. That's kind of why I'm in this job today anyway. So um, I feel like we have to push the boundaries a little bit of what people consider a brand in the B2B world. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that I can do that. I'm trying to do that if I can. Um, But I do think that it's starting to be better understood, but it's not quite there yet. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I think about the B2B brands that I look to um, and that I engage with on like a daily basis. And it's there's definitely been a ton of progress made, I think, since I, I started out. So when you look at Slack, Monday.com, like Intercom, there is envelope pushing happening. There are brands that are really um, starting to kind of cross that border a little bit. There's always going to be a line in the sand where you know, um, enterprise brands are not necessarily going to have as much fun on TikTok. I'm a little jealous, <laughs> Kara. Um, but, um, you know, walking through, I remember back probably in March, uh, walking through Penn Station and just seeing a ton of ads for like Slack and Monday.com, I was like, oh, oh man, this is my realm. Like it is possible to kind of like play in the same league as um, as your, your apples and your, you know, really big brands that people think of when they think of brand integrity. Um, it's different, but I think we're, we've made a lot of progress and I think there's a lot more to, to go. Um, the other thing that I think about is you're, you're, yes, you're marketing to businesses, but you're marketing to people. There's somebody on the end of that computer. When I think about the way I engage or what makes me click, I'm still a human. I still click on my, you know, personal retail emails and take inspiration from that um, when I'm thinking about the way that I'm like constructing our marketing emails. So um, there's definitely a line, but I think there's a lot more opportunity to kind of blur that when you remember that the person at the other end is still a person at the end of the day. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I love the examples that you shared. I know when I use money.com, like the little Easter eggs at that, they included like over the holiday season when you completed a task and like it made a little snowman. Like I was like, oh, that's so fun. Like it (laughs) was relevant to the Monday.com brand because they're known for being a little quirky, but it was a very consumer oriented Easter egg or or element that they added it in. No, this is- Yeah, we use Asana and they have like a rainbow flash across the screen when you check off a task. And it's it's the small stuff like that. Yeah, you're just like, yes, I did it. Now, this has been great, ladies. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time out to chat with me. Like I said, I feel like we could go on and on and on. Um, Hope it sparks some productive conversations for the folks watching. And if you have any questions for Ali or Kara, um, you know, find a way to get in touch with us uh, through Twitter or uh, reach out to me directly. Um, And we love to make those follow-up questions happen. Um, thanks everyone. And, uh, we'll see you. We'll see you later, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks everyone. (laughs) Have a good one. 
All right, folks, that's a wrap. Big shout out to Ali, Kara, and Alicia for really digging deep into the topic of brand. I thought it was fabulous, and I hope you guys got some key insights for your own brands. So thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service so you don't miss any new episodes. And of course, hit me up on social. I'd love to hear your thoughts, feedback, and guest suggestions. Take care, folks. Until next time.